to that pulpit to represent Christ, and uh, what you see here is uh, is part of it. And uh, so, uh, Bob, why don't you come on up and uh, share with us, uh, Bob Foster Senior. Thank you. Good to have you here. Um, Thank you. Good to have you here. Lost Valley Ranch really isn't for you fellas. It's for the guys out there that don't know what's coming off. Well, that's some of you guys. Um, (laughs) But uh, sitting in a little plumbing shop there in downtown Los Angeles, I thought, how in the world can I ever have a ministry? always in people's attics or in their basements. Um, about 85% of our clientele were Jewish, and uh, the union was on us constantly. And what can you do? So coming to Colorado through the graciousness of the Navigators in 1956, um, was not an escape mechanism, and little did I realize we'd end end up on a guest ranch. But here, 35 years later, after we bought it, we're here, and uh, so thankful for God's abundant grace. And uh, at the age of 75, uh, I love him more today than I did when I accepted him at the age of 16. Um... And he's sweeter, and uh, some of you know that God has given me the privilege of being married to a wonderful girl who two and a half years was diagnosed with Alzheimer. And um, this has been a whole new experience, whole life change. I was contemplating, we just got back Tuesday from Asia. She still was able to travel. Her health is good, but the mind is gone. And uh, while we were over there one night, she had one of her situations when she came unglued. and um, Everything from about 2 until 5 in the morning. Um, I guess some people would say it'd be hell. It wasn't hell because she loves the Lord. She just she didn't know what she was doing. And uh, I thought I've got a I've got to change. I've been expecting her to keep pace with me as she has. We've been married 51 years. Now I have to slow down and keep pace with her. Just walking in the airport, I have to slow down and at her pace. Um, getting dressed, I have to dress her, I have to bathe her, um, and all the rest. And uh, slow me down, Lord. And you know when uh, you're a go-go and you want to get things done and you want to get there and do things and see people and all the rest. And uh, it's all different. 
different. I think a second lesson that God has been teaching me and that has the idea of pride in the area of pride. Uh, we're at a very formal banquet in Beijing in the Hall of the People put on by the communist government. I'm privileged to be on the board of English Language Institute with some 200 teachers in mainland China. And they were renewing our contract and words of expression. Um, Vice Premier was there at the head table and Mary and I we're privileged to be sitting at the head table along with Ted Engstrom, who's the chairman of our board. And uh, we, they, they have toasts all the time, you know. And, uh, you don't have to drink it, regardless of what it is, if you don't want to. It, it isn't uh, a lack of courtesy not to drink the toast. But she held her cup and uh, raised a toast for whatever it was, and when she went to put it down, she put it right down in the soup. And of course, everybody at the table <laughs> saw it happen, and that's hard on the pride, huh? Uh, another time, uh, there was some guests in a very lovely situation, and she was drinking her coffee, and she just put it down and in the middle of the dessert. Um, she didn't know she was doing that. Um, she'll use her skirt and pull it up to wipe her mouth off, forgetting she has a napkin. And, I, and I'm not telling you that to put her down, but, you know, that does something to a guy, huh? Because um, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And everything that she's ever been, she's not anymore. And her strengths now are weaknesses. But as Paul said, when I am weak, then I'm strong. <laughs> and uh, it's what God is doing to me and for me and what he's doing to Marion's life. And so, although the ranch is our home and so forth, uh, she couldn't understand why all you men were here tonight at supper. Where are their wives? Uh, they're having problems. <laughs> no problems. So, although... You may not see much of her. If you do see her, just be very natural with her. And she'll say some of the craziest things that have no rhyme or reason. Uh, but just uh, nod your head. And <sighs> Today's been kind of a tough one. Uh, this morning she didn't know who I was, and that's nothing new. But um, she wondered why I was in bed with her last night. That's tough, isn't it? And um, so when I said, I'm going to go down and speak to the men tonight, would you like to come down or would you like to stay up at the house? She said, well, I, I'd like to go down. 
She said, can I sit in on the meeting? I said, well, it's for men. Well, she said, are you going to talk about something I shouldn't hear? No, I said, I'm going to talk from the 14th chapter of Joshua. And uh, she said, well, will you tell me what you said when you come back up? And she's downstairs now, and I said, I sure will. So I'd like to have you turn to the 14th chapter of Joshua and follow along. The Adventure of Believing. And uh, if you'll follow in your Bible about verse 6, I think you'll kind of catch on to what's going on tonight. Well, Josh... Did you finally get the land taken care of? Wow, what a job. All those tribal people that some wanted to be down by the Jordan and some wanted to be over by the Great Sea and some wanted to be in the mountains and some wanted to be in the valley. How did you handle it all? Well, I'll tell you, dog, it wasn't easy. Now, wait a minute, Josh. Don't call me dog. I know that's my nickname, but my name's Joshua. Well, okay, Joshua, but, or Caleb, uh, forget which hat I'm wearing. Uh, Yeah, it, it went good. But you know, you and I haven't had much time together. I've missed that. We've been so busy these last seven years taking care of the land of promise and trying to get the people settled down and satisfied with their portion, the lot that God has given to them. What have you been doing? Well, (laughs) I'll tell you, I've been trying to fix my hair. Um, No, it's it's not been easy, uh, Josh. Do you realize, buddy, that I'm 85? You remember when we first met? I was 40. We crisscrossed across the desert, and finally, so many of our people died off. I think somebody told me before we got over to the Jordan River that we had a funeral almost every 60 seconds. Around the clock, people died by the hundreds, and you remember that? Our own family, you and I. Moses, but we had to finally bury him. Yeah, that's right, dog. It it wasn't easy, but here we are. And we're into the land, and your tribe of Judah, man, you've got a beautiful portion of land for you. By the way, what can I do for you? Well, you know, it isn't easy, but... Do you remember over 40 years ago that we were chosen along with 10 other fellows to go into the promised land and spy it out? We were in that little place there in the desert called Kadesh Barnea. And we went in and we spent weeks in there looking at the land. Oh, what beautiful land it was. Flowing with milk and honey and Yeah, there were wall cities, Hebron, Jericho, 
all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. But you remember you and I put our arms around each other as we started going back down south and we said, let's tell the people that this is our land because God has given it to us. Yeah, but dog, you know, people just don't want to believe God. Now, I remember that God had this testimony about you that you wholly followed him. He didn't say that about me. He said that about you, Caleb. You wholly followed Jehovah God. And that's why he was so gracious to you. He's been so generous with you. Now, 45 years later, you come to me and what do you want? (laughs) Well, I want your friendship. You and I have been buddies. You're in your 80s too. (laughs) You may not look like it. You know, I'm just as strong to go to battle, to travel, to do things as I was when I was 40. You may not believe that, Joshua, but I am. But the one thing I'm asking of you, and that is that you will do for me what God promised 45 years ago. I'm asking you on your word today, will you do it? Doug, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't remember the details. But whatever God said to you, you can count on me to do it for you. What is it that you want? You guys have got your Bibles. Verse 12. Joshua, I only ask one simple thing. Give me that mountain. Yeah, Anak has it. The walls around Hebron are tall. The sons of Anak are giants. The nuggets are looking for them. But I want them. And since God is with me, Josh, do you believe me? It's an adventure of believing him. I want to take that city and that country and that mountain for you. And if you let your eye fall down in the rest of the chapter, verse 13, and Joshua blessed his buddy and gave Caleb Hebron for an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. Why? The last phrase of verse 14. He wholly followed the Lord God of Israel.
This is the great sea. Jerusalem is there. Jericho is here. The Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea. Kadesh Barnea, down here on the edge of the desert. They went in and spied the land. Came back. The majority says, no way. It's a, it's a fruitful land. It's a good land. The opportunities are great, but the obstacles, we can never do it. Let's head back for Egypt. Caleb and Joshua stood side by side, and by the grace of Almighty God, we can take it. It's ours. He's promised it to us. And the twelve outvoted the two. The majority of the people went along with them, and they rebelled and they murmured. And they wanted to kill Moses. And God's wrath came down. And all that generation, from 18 years of age and up, died in the next 38 years. And they wandered around here in the desert, finally came up on this side, and went across, began the conquest with a whole new generation. Caleb and Joshua were the only two who were still living. Caleb was of the tribe of Judah, but he was an outsider. His family did not originally belong to Judah. They were adopted in. If you read it, he was the son of Nun, Jehunan. And he asked... This is all mountain range right through here. And he asked for a city called Hebron. And those of you who know your Bible know that it's a very famous city back to the days of Abraham. A place of covenant making, a place of decision, a place of meeting of God. The very name Hebron has an impact spiritually. It was one of the last cities that they saw coming back to Kadesh Barnea to give the report. And the walls were high. And the people were giants. And it was an impossibility. And now, 45 years later, Caleb said, I want that. Eighty-five, you're out on the golf course. Eighty-five, you're taking a cruise on the Sea of Galilee. Eighty-five, along with your wife, you're visiting all the tourist attractions of the neighboring countries. At eighty-five, you're taking your dog out for a walk. Visiting the other fellows your age, discussing what's happening in the stock market. Your health, your children, your grandchildren, but not Caleb. Give me that mountain. 
Let me have the impossible. Let me have what God promised to me when I was 40. One of my favorite writers is J. Oswald Saunders in his book, A Spiritual Clinic. Listen what he has to say concerning this man. To him it was not petering out, but pressing on to new advancements. Not descending the mountain, but attacking a higher peak. Not senility, but adventure and achievement. His life moved steadily forward, not to termination, but to consummation. His last years were the best. I couldn't help but think, as I was reading that, often the last half of a ball game has the most action. The last two minutes. And at 85, <laughs> no sense of retirement, but give me the mountain! Oswald Saunders continues on, so kick off those soft slippers and get out of the lazy boy rocker and get ready to start heading to the mountain. God is looking for a few Caleb's to rout out some giants and claim some mountain strongholds in the marketplace for himself. The 13th and 14th chapters of Numbers would give you the background for the story I have shared tonight. But I have three very simple lessons that God has been talking to me about. We got ready to buy this ranch 35 years ago. I'm not a mountain boy, much less a mountain man. I claim some promises from the 16th chapter of Proverbs. Uh, verse 9. The heart of man deviseth his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Or the last verse of that chapter. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. That's the idea of the Urim and the Thummim in the little pot, pouch under the breastplate of the high priest, two precious stones. And, and every seven times in the scripture, the human and the thumman were pulled out for decision-making. And those stones, and it's a mystery, no one really knows how God did it, whether they were flat and one side was yes and the other side was no, or no one knows. But it was God speaking through the high priest, for his will. And I didn't have a human thumb, but I had the promises of God. And I felt that God would give me one, and I was studying the life of Caleb, and I came to this 14th chapter of Joshua. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. The first lesson I want to share with you tonight is it's a life of faith. We like to operate on the basis of sight. We like to operate on the basis of the flesh. 
And God says, no, if you're going to please me, you're going to live by faith. Notice in this chapter, five times, verse 6, the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me at Kadesh Barnea. Verse 10, as God said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses. Then in verse 12, the Lord spoke in that day, as thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and the city was great and fortified. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I will be able to drive them out. What? As the Lord said. God has spoken. Therefore I believe. You and I have sung in church or Sunday school or camp or wherever standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling doubts of when howling winds of doubt assail, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. Not just for a week or for a month, but for 45 years. He waited for the consummation of a promise that God had given him. And some, some of you fellows, way back when you were in teenage, you were in college, you were first married, you took some promises out of the book. And you and your wife knelt beside your bed, and by God's grace, this is going to be it. In recent weeks and months, you found a promise in the Word of God, and He spoke to your heart, and yet... The willies come in, huh? It's a life, an adventure of faith. See, hope is buoyed up by the prospects of the future. We don't know what the future holds, but by faith and hope in a living God, Beyond the clouds, the sun is always shining. For some of you, the clouds are so low tonight, (laughs) this last week, you can't even see tomorrow. You can't even see this afternoon. But because of a life of faith, you're trusting God for that which is ahead. The second lesson that God has been teaching me is not only it's a life of faith, but it's a life of commitment. Holy following the Lord. We don't use that word much anymore. Wholehearted, complete. A hundred percent sold out. Six times. Either he said it or God said it about him. Caleb, 
the man who wholly followed the Lord. Let me give you the references. Numbers 14, 24. Numbers 32, 12. Deuteronomy 1, 36. And then three times here in the 14th chapter of Joshua. Eight, nine, and fourteen. A life of commitment that is not only thrilled with what has passed and the forty years. Forty years, gentlemen, of being number two. I don't believe there's any guy here that's got blood going through his veins that likes to play second fiddle to a Joshua. Third fiddle to Moses. But never the leader, and he had all the qualities, the attributes, the touch of God. And yet, for some reason, he never was the top dog. And that's what Caleb means, dog. In retrospect, as he stands here in the 14th chapter of Joshua, he said, I am as sure today at 85 as I was at 40 that God is going to hear my prayer and he is going to fulfill his promise. Do you believe that? You see, this is very practical and personal to me and that's why the Bible is the living word of God because I was 40 when we bought the ranch 35 years ago now I got 10 years to go before I can stand at 85 and say give me that mountain many of you fellas are just on the either side of 40 boy the future is so great I appreciated what Winston had to say in his remarks. A lot of fellows have a real low self-image of themselves and their abilities and their gifts and their ministry opportunities. May I say that God wants to do for you far more, far deeper, far greater than anything that you could ever pray for. He is a God who loves to do exciting things. If he can just find some men. If he can just find a man. 